Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes will examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock directed trailer, North by Northwest. I am at mad North Northwest. When the wind is southerly, I know a hawk from a handsaw. One minute of screen time per episode. Here are your hosts for Minute 19, Professor Robert E.G. Black and Ellison Waddell of the Room Minute. Taking a shot. <laughs> Take a shot. With bourbon. <laughs> well, yes. Oh, hi, Alice. Are you supposed to say, oh, hi. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how to say hello. I got so shy. <laughs> oh, hi, listeners. We're here to talk about Minute 19 of North by Northwest, in which Roger O. Thornhill needs the police, but the police don't need him. Despite the announcer's voice you just heard, my normal co-host from Room Minute, Allison Waddell, could not be here today. She is sick, but I have here one of our four-time, three, four-time guests. Oh I my forget. god, so many, and we've been on other on uh, other shows. We, so yeah. And we've been on other, other shows together, so I got Alice in here to take over. Alice in here to take over for Allison for today, mm-hmm. uh, as we wrap up the Room Minute while talking about North by Northwest. Listeners, you could probably tell my, by my voice, this was not filmed in sequence with the rest of the episodes. Alice, I was taking a shot for every episode, and I recorded the other nine episodes of mine in oh, a row. I was gonna say, I was like, yeah, before the, before you, you hadn't hit puberty yet, and now, different voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. By the time I got to ni- 18 and 20, this is 19, goes right in between them. I, the recordings of them are going to be hard to edit. I may have to add, like, some (laughs) extra narration in between parts of what I'm saying. Whoops. (laughs) No, it was, it was on purpose, but I didn't, I didn't expect, um, two things. And here's the behind the scenes for the listeners too. I expected to record all my episodes two or three weeks earlier and then got an extra class at the end of the semester and then got sick. And so I ended up recording my episodes about as late as I could to get them edited in time, and recording those other nine all in one day. So one sitting at the computer, take a shot, record an episode, take a shot, record an episode, take a shot, record an episode. Two of those episodes, I took an extra shot because they were the Mandy Sucks Minute episodes where I was just having a crazy time watching the minute and commenting. I don't know what I said on those. Oops. (laughs) um, Because I haven't listened to them and edited them yet. So this one will be a little different. Both, both more clear-headed, and I haven't watched the entire movie in a while. You watched it this morning, right? Yeah, last night. Oh, last night. Had yeah, you seen it last... before? No, no, I okay. hadn't. No, I and I wanted to go completely like no idea what it's about. I mean, of course, the only thing for some, and I don't know why that's like in my trivia bank of my brain, but like that has like that plain thing that they show on every single Oscar. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. compilation. It's one of the most right? famous movie scenes ever, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't know why I'm like, yep, I know, you know, I don't even know. And and most people also know that this movie ends at the at Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, no, I, I think a lot of people haven't seen it, though. I had no idea, and then I saw it was Hitchcock, and I was like, oh my god, is this gonna be like The Birds? Which, I mean, I've seen The Birds, I mean, I closed my eyes whenever I saw any birds, <laughs> but <laughs> I saw The Birds. But like, you know, and... And and I'm too afraid to see Psycho and all those other things because I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be a horror movie. Why am I watching it at <laughs> night? Because <laughs> that, that's what I think of, you know, Hitchcock as. 
Well, Psycho was his next movie after this. Oh, one. okay. Yeah. And arguably his most famous movie, but so it was a pl- it was a pleasant surprise that there was no jump, not jump scares, <laughs> but like horror. You know. No, this one is a spy film essentially, yeah. and and sort of invented that as a genre. There had been movies involving spies, but there would be a lot more coming after this, and they copied a lot of this where. Like, if you watch a James Bond movie, it always has multiple, like, locations and I heard stuff. this is maybe, like, almost the f- the first James Bond. I mean, not yeah. literally, but yeah. Sort of. I, I mean, the first James Bond movie is just a few years later. Wow. But James Bond, this, the format has always been that they travel from place to place. And mm-hmm. it's it's similar to this one in that there it's all these set pieces of locations and things happening there. I, I, I relate. I think I saw... Like, View to a Kill, it's a, an 80s uh, Roger Moore, James Bond movie, mm-hmm. ends on the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh. And that scene always connects in my head to the Mount Rushmore scene in North by Northwest, because it's sort of that same idea of ending the movie yeah. in this famous place, and they're fighting up there. Mm-hmm. Although I did see this on the big screen once, when I was mm-hmm. in college the first time at USC. Mm-hmm. We watched it in, I think it was a History of American Cinema class, we watched this one. We also watched The Birds. Yeah. So not like that. And I had I wrote a paper about the birds and then a paper about Rear Window, another Hitchcock yeah. one. Yeah, well, yeah, because I, I, I'd heard, I mean, not to like go on a completely different movie, but like with the birds, for example, it's what you don't see that's the scary part, <laughs> the scarier, you know, part of it, that it's not horror as it is now. Where right, yeah. It's all jump scares and, you know, it's right there in your face. <laughs> Yeah, there's a great sequence in The Birds where she's seeing this gasoline that's going along, like, it's a puddle on the road, kind of, and it's drifting down toward gas pumps, or toward a tr- from the gas pumps to the truck, I forget which way it's going. Mm-hmm. But rather than just film it moving, it cuts back and forth between her reacting, the gas, the flame is a little bit farther, her reacting, the flame is a little bit farther, her, and yeah. so you're not seeing the movement, but it makes it more tense, because he's forcing you to wonder how far has it gotten where is it gonna get and he he, this movie doesn't have a lot of that although Mm -hmm. when you get to this the car chase the last couple minutes yeah some amazing uh, amazing reactions Ah, like like, i I love the you know 50s reactions but yeah there's some great editing in there from the women especially oh my god like i wish wish this wasn't a podcast in a sense because i just want to like imitate how (laughs) how they you know are clutching their pearls you know yeah now, for this scene, I have been noting as we go, this is page 24 and 25 of the shooting script. Hmm. Uh, changes dated H2558. This is scene 48. Continued. With Klinger and Wagner, who are not characters, but they do have names. They're only in this sequence. Bringing Thornhill into the... I just hit a blank. Compton Cove. Glen, Glen Cove. Yeah. <laughs> Glen Cove Police Station. I should remember that. It was written on the side of the car. On the road. I had two minutes with no dialogue. That was fun. Oof. And yeah, thank so God this one has all the all the jokes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Thornhill's great as a as a drunk. Let's see. So going the minute begins as they bring him into the station, and there's a lieutenant across the desk, and Thornhill thanks them for the lift. Thanks for the lift, fellas. Yeah. So he's already being funny. I believe, as we understand Thornhill by this point, is that he drinks a lot. Oh, okay. But he is specifically in an earlier scene mentioned that he wants to keep his mother from noticing the alcohol on his breath. Mm. Like he's still very much like a mama's boy, but he also, one of the pieces I quote in one of these minutes talks about how he's like, 
trying to be an adult but can't grow up. It's like this Oedipal thing where he's... Yeah, yeah, the fact that he just always reverted, like, you know, right to his mom, like, you'll find yeah. out later, oh, yeah, I have two ex-wives, you know? Uh-huh. But you're not calling your, your girl or anything like that. No, he calls his mom, but then he also is worried about what she's gonna think, how she's gonna react to the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Other than that conversation still goes great, too. Yeah. But yeah, Thornhill's funny. D- did they give you a chaser? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't give me a chaser. No, they didn't give me a chaser. I, in my script, I don't know if I say it, because it's next minute and I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. Mm-hmm. But I, I love that. It's one of the best lines of this movie, because he says it like it is more important than anything he's told his mother on the phone so far. He's like, no, yeah. they didn't give me a chaser. <laughs> Well, I was just, I was marveling yesterday, like, just how, like, ev- like everything's understated, you know, understated, everything, you know, kind of not low energy, but just sort of, like, just matter of fact, oh, I was kidnapped, so, okay. yeah, you know, it, it, it was so... Yeah, <laughs> was what was his like, line a few minutes yeah. ago? Not that I mind a slight case of abduction now and then, but I have tickets for the theater this evening. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, he just takes everything in stride, and the, until... They start pouring that bourbon, and he realizes, wait, that's too much bourbon. Uh, something is wrong here. Yeah. And then he sort of comes to as he's driving the car. and mm-hmm. I, I imagine that he has driven drunk often. And so it's not that, it's not a good thing to say that when you've done it a lot, you'll be good at it, because that's not how drunk driving works. Yeah. I, I'm. There's a local radio show, Mark and Brian. Well, they're not on anymore, but they used to do for St. Patrick's Day every year. They would do their drunk show. And every commercial break, they would take a shot. Oof. And then they'd have, they had police there that would take a breathalyzer every hour, I think it was, to say whether they were over the driving limit. Yeah. And by the last hour of their show, they, you could tell there was no way they should be driving a vehicle yeah. or doing anything or being on the radio. And it would just be like chaos. But they did it every year for St. Patrick's to show like, here's what happens when you get drunk. Don't go out drinking tonight and then drive a car and yeah. get a ride. Which is much easier now. Now you have Lyft and Uber. It's like, oh yeah, leave your car there and just take a ride home. Yeah. Oh, I was, there. I was noticing. Just, I don't know what it was. I was just kind of noticing. Obviously, this was a different time, but it was just so interesting. Like I, I were jumping around in all these minutes, but even the like, oh no, you know, my mom's wherever. Oh no, I have to tell my secretary to, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, don't call her, or whatever. And it's just in my head, I'm like, I mean, as as a joke, it's kind of like, oh, you know, man, he's got a texture, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this <laughs> were set now, it'd be such so a simple thing. So much easier if you could have been like, wait, ugh, damn it, <laughs> I just texted her, you know. And then he wouldn't have put his hand up, and they wouldn't have thought he was George Kaplan, and the movie wouldn't have happened. And it'd be, yeah. It'd be so much simpler for him. Mm-hmm. But it's 1959, filmed yeah. in 58, so that ain't happening. Klinger tells him, tells the lieutenant, Lieutenant, I want this man examined for driving while intoxicated. Uh, the lieutenant seems to uh, assume that. He's like, Really? Because mm-hmm. Thornhill is not steady on his feet. Yeah. I love the, I love the, uh, I want to ask you this as if, like, you were, you know, around at this time. But was this, like, what happened after these drunk drive, you know, DWI, whatever they call it? I don't know about reality, but I under, in TV shows and old movies, that's often the thing is they simply have one, the drunk tank. I mean, that still sort of exists in some towns, but I don't know about. But the it's not city. just out on the street like they go to. It looked like, it looked like a police station courthouse right there. Yeah, this yeah. is a police station courthouse. I'm a doctor. Yeah. yeah. I think fortunately for the police, he may have driven down the hill right into town. And so they were near the courthouse, and so they just took me because their their car did get a little dented up, uh, mm-hmm. hitting the back of his, and so they bring him there to just basically sleep it off. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, he may be held legally responsible for the damages to the car, but that's not really a jail offense, you know, that's paying for damages and insurance coverage and all that stuff. Oh, interesting. I would assume. And plus he's rich, so maybe they can see right. by his nice suit that he probably can afford bail or whatever they need to do. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, even the whole, I mean, from kidnapping to that, there's just a lot of, I mean, and so much as I don't want to be like, oh, white male privilege, but like, you know, if, yeah. if, if, if I was kidnapped, I wouldn't be like, oh, man, like, no, I don't want to drink. I don't want to this. I don't, come on. Like, I'm just going to go home right now. You know, <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't be that chill, you know? Right. Well, and to be fair to Thornhill, it is their fault that they hit his car. Yeah. He stopped to not hit a guy on a bike, and they were following way too closely. <laughs> it's true. Because he was not driving that fast. No. And then apparently someone was following them really closely because they get hit too. So it, mm-hmm. the whole thing's it's debatable whether how much of it is his fault. But then, of course, as far as they know, he is way over the legal limit for driving with, like, more intoxicated. Yeah. And they need to let him sleep it off if for no other reason to figure out how did this happen and how much do we need to charge him with. And that's a that's a, that's a huge like way to to kill someone by the because I was like oh no once they give him the bourbon you know he's poisoned you know yeah. but but that's like oh no this and then a cliff and then a, you know well yeah they could have just given him enough bourbon and he'd get like alcohol poisoning and die but no they stick him in a car on a cliff or, or, or <laughs> the poison in it yeah every time a drink yeah I thought that's it they're giving him a drink they're giving someone the, right that's it he's poisoned you know. And a movie, no, but... <laughs> <laughs> of course, that cliff doesn't exist, but I talked about that a couple minutes ago. Oh, really? This is Long Island. It doesn't have a cliffside road like that. <laughs> it's Long Island. <laughs> That's great. Although, that cliffside road doesn't really exist either. It's kind of a set with a matte painting and a like matted-in coastline that it's so blurry in the background, I couldn't figure out what city it was on California. Yeah. Oh yeah, Coast. I'm just I'm in awe of just the old time, you know, driving sequences of the back, or is it like the background uh-huh. in the back, and it's on a on a soundstage, I would assume, and the cars. Well, actually, like from up. what I can tell, they filmed the car thing. Him, his car may have been on like a trailer behind mm-hmm. being pulled by someone else, but it. I think they filmed it on an actual road because. Oh, um, okay, yeah. It if you okay. watch the curves in the background, they are consistent, and mm-hmm. I think I've figured out at least one of the roads they used is on Portrero Road. But the curve where he almost hits the car at one point is seems like a very specific curve on a specific road, so I looked for Maybe it. Maybe that one, yeah. I was thinking more even of, like, with the secretary in the beginning of the movie or, yeah. you know, some of the normal, yeah. Well, like the house, the house for the longest time. Yeah. I already complained about this last week, but I was sure the inside of the house was the same as the outside of the house, which is Westbury Garden, Old Westbury House. Mm-hmm. On Long Island, or uh, yeah, on Long Island, near Glen Cove, actually, hmm. and it's not. The interior does not match the house, and I cannot. It's some other house somewhere. No idea where, because no, everyone just credits the the mansion, and the inside's not that mansion. Mm-hmm. Which bugged me because I like obsessing about the background details when I do these shows like this. <laughs> yeah, so oh, so it was modeled after it. So it was modeled after the California coast. The co- yeah the co- the cliff was yeah and also like the tra- the plane sequence that you were talking about was filmed in near Bakersfield, which is in California. So okay, I mean because it's Hollywood, you know, you film as much right. as you can here, yeah. Then you go elsewhere to film exteriors. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure they weren't at Rushmore or anything. Well, they did go to Rushmore when they're on Rushmore. I believe it's all fake. Yeah, it's all a 
fake one they built in a soundstage. But when they're in the visitor center, and when they're, I think, out in the woods even, it is the real visitor center in the real woods. Even wow. even though they had some problems, someone can talk about this in more detail later in the in this show, when they get there. But they had problems with like communicating what they wanted to film at the Mount Rushmore place. And apparently the they got originally had permission. And then that permission got taken away and they went and filmed there anyway. Yeah. Or something. And I don't know. I'm not doing those minutes. So I when I read that, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then moved on. I didn't write it down. <laughs> I like that he just calls it a big house, though. In a big house. They try to kill me. Like he has no idea what house it was. Hmm. But. The next thing we see, basically, is he directs other police officers directly to that house. Probably because True, yeah. the bad guy screwed up and used the name of the guy who actually lives there. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. And that, you know, that he if they hadn't called him Townsend, he wouldn't maybe be able to find the house. Well, the fact that even that they went back, like, I would never go back to where I was kidnapped to. I mean, yeah, I guess he was armed <laughs> with his... He was, well, he's armed got police. With his he was armed with his mom who had him at seven years old. <laughs> and, you know, and, and police people and lawyers, whatever. But, like, still, the ball's on this man. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, he still does. I don't think he still doesn't realize what hap- what is happening. Mm-hmm. That they mistook him for someone else and actively tried to kill him. Yeah. Because maybe he doesn't remember some of that. Like. You drink enough bourbon, you don't remember everything that happens after. True, yeah. You might do okay as it's happening, but afterward you're like, wait, did I record minutes 18 and 20? <laughs> did I drive <laughs> off of a cliff? I don't know. Did I hit a guy on a bicycle? I don't know. Oof. Even now, he's like, somebody call the police. When he's looking directly at Wagner's face, who's wearing a police uniform. Yeah, he's, somebody called the police. He's, he's not doing well. And I love it, and then and then it like perfectly shows, especially at the end, where he's like, "Well, I was waiting for you know, when when are you coming?" You know, <laughs> at the option, like, like thank man, what took you so long? So it's you know. <laughs> so Klinger takes him into the courtroom, and which the script calls bleak, but it's actually really well lit. It's just empty. Yeah, because you know they're filming a movie in here. Mm-hmm. They got to keep this stuff well lit. And tells him to sit down, which Thornhill does not want to sit. I don't want to sit. But immediately sits. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't want to sit. Oh. And falls into the, onto the bench. Like it's a subway, or like a subway bench, you know? Just, yeah. yeah. Like, it's what they want. They want him to just lay yeah. down and sleep it off. Yeah. And he doesn't, but he, he, I get the feeling he's he's going to. <laughs> and he's got a great line. We've got him. We'll throw a book at him. Assault and kidnapping. Assault with a gun and bourbon and a sports car. We'll get him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This was such a, like, Dean Martin role, I feel like. It should have been. It's just, oh my gosh, it went perfect. I know he was, they thought about maybe him, but man, he would have, he would have nailed it too. <laughs> yeah, Cary Grant is, is good in this role. Reportedly, he had, he was very confused by the plot, mm-hmm. but it worked. Oh yeah. You know, it worked in his performance. Same though, so it's, because... it's okay, you know? Yeah, it's like I don't know what's happening. That's okay. Neither does your character. <laughs> yeah, not not even when they had a whole scene where they literally just said, "Oh no, this is like the committee telling everyone what is going on. <laughs> what what was that about? I don't know." I still was like, "Wait, what do you mean? This is a red hair? What? Still no, like don't know." <laughs> I don't but, know what that whole but that, that's... that that is another minute that <laughs> yeah. I, but that even that, like the confusion and the like, explain everything and you still don't know what's going on is yeah. a trope of like every spy film, every James right, Bond right. film. 
you find out what the big bad villain is doing, and you're like, they could have done that so much simpler if they just hadn't done something weird. Worked it in, yeah. You know, <laughs> don't kidnap the guy. Don't question him. Just shoot him and move on. Mm-hmm. If you think it's George Kaplan, it's, I don't know why they even take him to a house. Oh, I was I was waiting for a twist of like. He was George Kaplan all along. Don't you remember? <laughs> You're George Kaplan. You, whatever. <laughs> That's the kind of thing, yeah, if it was made now, it'd be like, turns out, no, he really was that guy the whole time. Yeah. That, a- that reminded me, I hope I'm remembering this right, it was on Days of Our Lives in the 80s um, soap opera, and they bring back this guy, and he picks his name off of a plaque on a wall, because he doesn't have his memory, mm-hmm. and he calls himself John Black. Mm-hmm. Then... They think that he is Roman Brady and he's gotten plastic. He's been forced to have plastic surgery and had his memory mm-hmm. removed so he wouldn't know who he is. Yeah. And for years on the show, you understand he's now Roman Brady. He just looks different. Mm-hmm. And two years later, they get the actor back to play Roman again. <laughs> and oh no, turns out he was really John Black the whole time. We're like, no, he took his name off of a wall. Oh my gosh. What kind of coincidence is that? It's amazing. You can't do that, but you can in a soap opera yeah. or a spy film, I guess. Yeah. Which, it, it would have been an interesting twist if he turned out to be that, but ultimately the point to his character is that it doesn't matter. He, I mean, his middle initial, oh, you know, is nothing. Mm-hmm. Because he's just this advertising guy who doesn't really have an identity beyond his mother and his ex-wives and his drinking. Yeah, well, yeah, and I and I thought that that even that setup scene with him and that secretary was, you know, I thought maybe they'd maybe do some more with, with that just because it was so interesting that he was like kind of like, oh yeah, write this to this woman and do mm-hmm. this and do this, and it was kind of like a, I don't know, it's a wonderful life kind of person, you know, yeah. and like you have a whole character arc and you know some sort of. Well, thing. he does. I mean, th- yeah. but that's setting up who is this guy? He's this guy who depends on his mother and his secretary for mm-hmm. everything in his life. Yeah. Like his one vice is alcohol. Otherwise, his life is just who's he having a meeting with? Yeah. What woman is he with tonight? Who's he with tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And then he just happens to be with these guys because they think he's someone else. And so when he this, is it the professor? No, the professor's the bad. Who's the guy who tells him to be, pretend to be George Kaplan? I can't remember the character's I name. Bad, I don't know. Or is that the professor? Might have been. <laughs> I don't the professor's the good guy, the bad guy. But the guy who tells him to go ahead and like keep being George Kaplan and keep on the run, mm-hmm. then we can stop these guys. Mm-hmm. And it, he, I think he protests a little, but he does it very well. Like he immediately is in that role of okay, I'm George Kaplan, and here's what I'm gonna do because that's who he is. He's a guy who works in advertising in the fifties. Yeah. Like he's, I, I did, I don't think I talked about this much in my previous minutes. I'm not sure. Cause I haven't edited them yet, but in the fifties at his age, he probably fought in like world war two, maybe. Yeah. Well, it was amazing and, that he was like 55 or something in real life. I'm like, what? That was a, you know, a yeah. shock and, too. I mean, maybe he was a little old, but so pe- so many people just volunteered for that war that he probably served in some way. Mm-hmm. And so he comes back from that war. Maybe he's a little what we'd now call PTSD. I think then it would have been shell shock. Mm-hmm. And the 50s was a big thing I learned in, in back when I watched this on the big screen. We talked about like male melodrama, not with this movie, but with some other ones in the 50s where they had these movies about men having to deal with their feelings. 
because you had men coming back from World War II who suddenly had feelings. Mm -hmm. And now you had to acknowledge them because they went to war. Yeah. When before it was like manly men and you didn't talk Who about that. Who suddenly had feelings. That's all I right. think. No, I'm just kidding. But. Essentially. But that's how movies were. It's like now yeah. you didn't have the big masculine hero. You had the masculine hero who also had a soft side. And then in that you have Roger Thornhill who's not just living in that era, but he li works in advertising where it's all about presenting a lie to the world on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And he becomes a lie in the course of the film. Yeah. So, the, so it's, is it because his name was called? Like, how did they, like, choose, he was just chosen on accident. Well, yeah, it's because he realizes, I forget, it's about his message he needed to get to his mother, and he realized it wasn't going to happen, and so he was signaling to the waiter because mm -hmm. he had to send another message to his mother. Yeah. And so he puts his hand up right when the waiter is calling for George Kaplan because oh, the, okay. the other guys, uh, Valerian and Light, are, and maybe Leonard, I forget who's in that scene are looking for George Kaplan. And so their clever method is, let's just call the name George Kaplan and see if anyone responds, which <laughs> seems like a weird way to get a spy's attention. Yeah. But then they get someone's attention. And so they immediately assume, oh, that's him. Let's kidnap him and take him to a house. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it took a bit to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. With a deliberate backup plan of getting him drunk and killing him. Yeah. Which is very specific. <laughs> They don't even know he's an alcoholic because they don't know who he really is. So, so, so really, it was just because it, it took a bit to be like, oh, they really, really think that's him. Because I also thought with the whole like, oh, maybe he was George Kaplan all along was that like they like they knew that he wasn't, but they were trying to like trick or something. Yeah. And the more he, the problem with being a spy and someone who lies about who he is, is he's good at it. And they assume that if he's the real person, he would also be lying. And so everything he says just makes it seem more like they're right. And, and they don't mind killing and, him then. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah. They don't care. It's, it's a weird, it's a bad situation mm -hmm. for him to get into because there's no way he can get them to believe him. Yeah. And so his problem was that he wasn't George Kaplan. If he'd been George Kaplan, he might have been able to get out of this situation without getting forced to an entire bottle of bourbon. Oof, yeah. Run down a hill. And I'm trying to think what see. other like good quotes are from that minute. I don't well, let's get to that, because on the Room Minute, we do a regular segment called Notes from a Midnight oh, Screening. Yeah. Notes from a Midnight Screening. Now, let's imagine they're doing, this movie is a, a uh, what's that, a cult classic, and they do midnight screenings every weekend, and drunk college students go to see it. What are they doing during this minute? This minute. Oh my gosh. Because you know what's funny is watching this, I was like, you know what? This is such a, not not that's like a bad movie or anything like that, but it's such a Mystery Science Theater 3000 riff tracks movie. <laughs> I, I just like watching it, I was like, oh, this is enough, you know? I was just, you I have expect <laughs> to see some alien monsters walk through Mount Rushmore, you know? <laughs> Let's see. What do we got for dialogue? I, I assume everyone in the audience would respond along with the lieutenant. When they say he's intoxicated, and she's like, "Really?" Like we all know it, so the audience yeah. says it along with him. Maybe when he lays, like he lays down on the bench, like sleep it off, sleep it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I assume we, the audience, would recite with him the assault, assault and kidnapping, kidnapping. assault with a gun, gun and bourbon, and, and sports a sports car. car. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing an audience would love to repeat. Is a line like that? That's a little long. Cheers! Yeah, <laughs> they say cheers. Other thing, or like when he's asked, was it? Yeah, when the doc or the doctor's asking him, him what the questions are right now, but kind of like, are you this? Are you? This? I'm totally blanking on the questions. 
Because Doesn't he say he's allergic to questions or oh, something that like that? Too. Or his sunglasses are for the. <laughs> Oh, wow. His sunglasses, sunglasses protect yeah, him from questions. If you get the line. But yeah. There's some there's some great lines in this movie. Like we were talking before we were recording about her line in the train, mm. with the the original line being "I don't make love on an empty stomach." Yeah, and they made her dub it. And to- they had to change it for the censors. Yeah, I, I never discuss discuss love, love on an empty stomach. stomach. Yeah. Well, I mean that whole scene was just beautiful. It was just that like le- a small level, not really small level, but like discreetish level of sexy and spicy and uh-huh. you know how brash a woman could could be at this time and i just i loved it i just ate it all up this like amazing back and forth flirtation was was just perfect it's like the 40s had those like comedies all the time with like the man and the woman they're constant like bickering and banter back and forth and this is a de- another decade further and it's like very serious version of that that works really yeah that is a great scene and their interaction is great which sets up the interactions of like every james bond yeah like femme fatale later in spy movies so, so then she she was working with she was working with the bad guys but also against the bad guys i'm like what is going on yeah why did you come back to her yeah. you know it's not it's not just for the, <laughs> for the boobies like what are you doing <laughs> like you know <laughs> Like what? Why? What do you do? She just double crossed you, and you can't, went back. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's class. It's one of the like first ones, of course, but it is classic like spy film mm-hmm. in that way. Is that like yes, the woman's gonna betray you, but you just love her too much after that one conversation that you have to work together. Yeah, anyway. that, it all ends up happening. That one night, and he just hurriedly got onto a train. And you somehow he she somehow knew he would be on that train because that was kind of uh-huh. random. <laughs> yeah. Well, ha- wait. How many how many ex wives does he have? Two. Two. So yeah, he may do this a lot. Just hook up with various women, and he's in advertising, so he's good at talking. He's good yeah. at selling himself. It's like the the show Mad Men. You mm-hmm. know, those guys were sleeping with people all the time. Mm-hmm. Anytime you meet someone new, you sell yourself well, and then go where that takes you. So, all in all. Good movie, old movie. Yeah, bizarre movie. ending. That it ends so abruptly. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like, hey, we're safe, and cut to train. I'm like, well, yeah, what? not even safe. <laughs> and like, it's over. Come on, just reach for me. Yeah, he's he's you got it. He's lifting her up, right? You yeah, can do it. You got it. Oh, all right. and we cut to him yeah. lifting her in the train car. Like, okay, I guess they got out of there fine. No, actually, but they both <laughs> fell and died, and that was a yeah. dream. <laughs> they fell and died. They're imagining the train ride. <laughs> Imagine the That's train. That's their train to hit like hell. And if they can, t- people can talk about that way down the line on this show. But then you get, of course, the classic ending shot of the train going through the tunnel too. Oh yes, some nice visual sex metaphor. Which yeah, you can't can't discuss making love, but you can you can show that. <laughs> right, you can do that because some people won't get it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And the people who do get it won't admit that they got it. Right. So it's fine. But if she says it, then we have to. We're like, we know what she means. Yeah. If it's a visual, you can be like, they're just going through a tunnel. It's fine. Yeah, we're fine. Them, it's them going into the darkness of the future as they don't know what's going to happen next. See, it's just going in the tunnel. They're going to going to heaven. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that they they died at the end, just, <laughs> no. I said they were going to hell. But yeah, I, I, I was gonna say hell, and then I was like, well, they're not that bad. 
No, they might be. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to hell. <laughs> she she might be. Well, no, he lies for a yeah, living. Yeah, maybe, be. maybe. I'm pretty sure everyone who works in advertising is <laughs> They help him to hell together. <laughs> and the minute ends with uh, him asking for... The f- he's being taken to the phone, or about to be taken to the phone, he's allowed one phone call. You're allowed one call. I do discuss this next minute, but I don't know how clearly... Technically, that is not the case, but it is the classic TV and film version, is that you get one phone call and that's your thing. Is it not true? It depends on the situation. If you have been arrested for, like, something really simple, they'll let you make a few phone calls to get the person you need to get. Mm-hmm. And really, it's, you're allowed to contact an attorney, And but if you did something like horrible murders and stuff like that, they might just contact your attorney for you, yeah. rather than let you out of, near a phone. Yeah. They don't have to let you near a phone. It's not some civil rights sort of thing where you are literally allowed one phone call no matter what. Well, and the fact that they were like, all right, it's over. I'm like, he was on the phone for five seconds. Like, give him, you know. Well, yeah. What are you doing? He called his mother. How do they know her? his mother's going to be useful? Yeah. For what they need from him tomorrow. Yeah. But I'll deal with that in some way next minute. In the meantime, well, Alice, what other shows have you been on recently? Um, I am, well, I'm I'm part of a podcast network thing I'm, I'm a panelist so i've i've watched uh watchmen again i think i think i've seen it before i don't know but i i'm so I'm, I'm on the now you've seen it uh podcast and so yep so we had watchmen and i'm going to be recording die hard pretty soon i just saw it for the first time on christmas eve nice <laughs> and i'll be recording scott pilgrim groundhog day in the first <sighs> kind of couple months I just did, oh, I just watched Bull Durham, and I was just on the Bull Durham podcast, and that should come out early next year. The movies by minutes, Bull Durham one? Yes, yep, yep. <laughs> I know, I was trying to figure out. He was uh, on that podcast, I guess I was crowned like a podcast socialite, because I didn't realize I had been on so many. Um, you have, yeah. And we, we talked about The Room a little bit, because I was saying I had been like on your, on your podcast and everything, and he was like, I am tired of that. <laughs> I, you know, you see it <laughs> once, and then you're you're done. But uh, yeah, that's cool. And I know we were on the, the podcast together for the Monty Python. Oh, yeah, for Please Be Seated. Yep. Please Be Seated thing. I keep talking about that one because it's amazing, and it only came out in October, so you can still still binge it which is good five very long episodes, five very long episodes. everything monty python yeah so yeah it's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff coming up but yeah and then as for me uh i'm robert this we've been your host for minute 19 uh if you'd like to hear more from the room minute you can look that up on all your podcatchers of choice uh in that show my co-host who's not here today allison and i sometimes alice sometimes other guests Look at the modern classic, Tommy Wiseau's The Room, one minute at a time. You can find the Hitchcock Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, in Google Play, or at the main site, HitchcockMinute.com. Find us on Facebook at The Man on Washington's Nose, or on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. Join us here next time on Hitchcock Minute. Wherever you are.